You've tuned into Tomcat Tales, the story of Ashland's legends from the gridiron, the court, the diamond, and beyond. It's a deep dive into Ashland Tomcat sports history. Now, here's your host, Mark Maynard. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Tomcat Tales. Man, just as promised, I have part two of a segment with Jeff Hall. And uh, the, the first one we did was his playing career at, at Fairview High School and then the University of Louisville, and that was fantastic. It was a great segment. I knew we couldn't do his whole thing in two hours, in one hour. So that's why we split this one up in two. And uh, I think it's, this one is coaching career, and we're mainly going to talk about his time with the, the Ashland Tomcats in uh, 1990 through 92, and then with Rose Hill about 10 years later in 2001 and 2000, or 2002, 2003. So, uh, Jeff, welcome back to Tomcat Family. Well, I'm I'm excited. I always enjoy talking with you and and having an opportunity to reminisce about some old times and you know some very good times and actually even some bad times. I mean, you know, it's just a we get the whole the whole gamut of uh, what really took place as far as growing up in the area, you know, leaving for I don't know ten year period of time, which included U of L, and then. Um, you know, moved back home and uh, stayed there a couple of years and then moved away. Uh, it, to say the least, uh, uh, Terry and I um, <laughs> moved around a lot. There's no doubt. I told her at one time I would I would take her places that she's never been before, and I sure did. <laughs> you just didn't know exactly what kind of places you're talking about there. But, uh, exactly. She she never thought she, she never thought she'd go to Mossy Bottom, which is part of Westwood. <laughs> so I bet she never thought I, I'm going to live in Westwood, you know, or I'm going to live, live back there. That that is true. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a good you you have a great story, Jeff. I think you you've uh, you've been a mentor to to many young men. You've helped you've helped so many. You've taught them the game of basketball and the game of life too. And I know, and I can say that from experience because, uh, and we'll get into this later. But my son actually was on on those on one of those Rose Hill teams, the first one, and uh, he he still talks about you uh, very highly as one, as one of his favorite coaches that he he was involved with in any sport. So he's, yeah. he thinks a lot. Well, I appreciate that. And he had he had a good he had a good experience, you know, through through the Rose Hill wow. time. But uh, I'm glad anyway, he did. I, you know, one thing we. We didn't really. We kind of ran out of time. Uh, but you, you were actually drafted by the Indiana Pacers uh, after your, your senior year at Louisville. So how, how did that all go after the draft? And I, I, I think you were taking. You were the 116th guy taken. I think is what I read. Yeah, I think I remember that. Something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. I uh, I, I can't. Back then, back in the old times, uh, they had. Uh, an endless amount of rounds that mm-hmm. um, that teams could work with. Now you have the first two rounds, and then everybody else signs as a free agent, or right. or you know tries to contact teams that they think that uh, you know their skill set would uh, match up with. And to be honest with you, uh, I wish that had been the case when I was coming out because. You know, I didn't go in the first two rounds 
uh, like it is today. Actually, I think it was probably fourth, fifth round, maybe sixth round. I don't, I don't know what that is. I can't right. remember. I but it, I, I think it was four. I think it was the fourth round. Actually, is I'm pretty think, sure. But okay. Anyway, yeah. But but the point is that uh, that Indiana did draft me, and uh, at the time they. It was my understanding at the time they already had three guaranteed guard contracts. Mm. So push came to shove. Uh, Terry and I, we sat down and made a a tough decision as far as, you know, really what we were going to do. And and, um, because we had just, you know, gotten married and uh, we wanted to really focus in on what was going to be best for us. And... You know, being drafted that low down uh, the list, along with maybe not going to the best place that would suit my abilities for uh, the organization, we just felt it was best I get back in school and and end up graduating. And being on Coach Crum's staff for two years was uh, a definite uh, help as far as getting out and, and starting in the coaching world. And you know, I also sure. had some opportunities to go overseas. One in particular, I, I, they already had uh, set up some opportunities to go to Israel and play professionally. I wished I could have, but back then in 1986, uh, a lot of terrorist activities and things like that were yeah. going on in the Middle Middle East. And, you know, from that point forward, it's it's gone crazy. But uh, I just didn't right. want to go over and basically risk my life to say that I played professionally overseas. And yeah. um, so we we just decided to get back in school, graduate, work with Coach Crum a couple of years to get some experience. And then at that point, you know, we took off and started into the coaching and teaching profession. And the rest is, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of different, a lot of different moves and, and coached uh-huh. a lot of uh, different type of kids and players and ability levels and things of that nature. And the one thing I always tried to concentrate on, at the end of the day, I wanted every player that played for me feel like that they had a fair opportunity with being able to play and be part of a mm. program. And, you know, sometimes we maybe fell short of that goal But I think for the most part, uh, most of the guys that ended up playing for me could tell you that I I was very firm in what I believed and what I thought that the players ought to be able to do, but I thought I was also very fair. And I was the type coach that, especially early on, um, you know, that would get after you a little bit. You know, (laughs) the players probably thought it was a whole lot, but – uh, and probably today you couldn't even do it because, you know, we're talking already 25 years ago and, you know, just you could you could coach a little bit differently than the way you coach today. But uh, having said that, I think that uh, I was able to uh, connect with some of the kids and and basically made lifelong friends. But don't don't do not. um the thing that I took away from everybody thinks I gave something to the kids and yes, part of that is true, but what I got out of it from the kids back to me was so much more than I could ever give to them. 
And if if you understand where I'm coming from, because they taught me so much about mm-hmm. life, about coaching, about you know being fair, mm-hmm. about you know all those things that molded me into an early coach. Um, I learned a lot of that from my days at Ashland. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, you know I look back on on your coaching career and I, and it, especially those even those early days at at Ashland. You, mm-hmm. you know, I think you, you very much uh, emulated Denny Crum in in how he, you know, how he went about his business, and and that naturally you did because you were with him for six years there, and, and I'm right. sure you learned a lot from him. You know, as far as how you modeled yourself and how you, you know, like you, I think you you'd said before, but you know, he never lied to you. You know, he he told you no. how it was. You know, and 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 he, he's going to play the best people. He's going to play the people that. He's, that have to that he has to to win, and I think that's what you did too, you know. And any good well, coach would really. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, at the at the time, yes, I took a lot of Coach Crum's philosophy. Tried to understand that players are going to make mistakes, and you sometimes you got to let them play through those mistakes so that they could, you know, learn from them and expand, and hopefully not make those same mistakes down the line. But uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, my uh, patience level was a little bit less than what Coach Crumbs was. Because, <laughs> well, you're, you're not uh, dealing, I I mean, he's dealing with NBA pops, NBA skills, <laughs> and you weren't. So I think that's a big difference. I think one thing, Jeff, that I've, I've learned from uh, talking to people, and I know just from watching you, you know, as a coach, uh, as I'm writing about your teams, uh, was that you were really a good teacher. Uh, you were a good teacher of the game. I mean, they people got better. People, you know, they understood and they got better. And I, you know, even I don't know if you heard the podcast with uh, Marty Thomas, but he he gave you a lot of credit for his development. You know, you left, but he ended up, you know, being well. He's the number one scorer in national history now, and he had just right. a couple of unbelievable seasons. And I think you saw something in him, and you worked with him. And he said. I would not have been the player I I became without uh, Jeff Hall, uh, you know, really pouring into me. And and I think that that says a lot. You know, the kids got to work, but I mean, I think you were a good teacher, and and you know, any any good coach is a good teacher. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I took a lot of pride into uh, trying to be prepared for every practice and every game, and make sure that we turned over every rock. And, you know, especially my first year at Ashland, I mean, everything was so new. I didn't know any of the kids. Uh, So you kind of go in and maybe kids that didn't play for whatever reason might have the uh, idea of coming back out for the team because there's a new coach and we're going to do things a little bit differently. And we did get a couple kids come back out that uh, had – uh, previously not played, and the flip side of that is we lost a couple players uh, that didn't want to play for me because of my high expectations, and yeah, um, you know, and that's part of it. I mean, people have to make their decisions and live with their decisions, but I always tried to be very visible at the lower levels because down there, those kids need so much encouragement to continue on with their career because there's so many, there's so many roadblocks that can get 
in front of kids and young adults, and then as they move up the ranks from elementary school to to middle school to high school, uh, sometimes those blocks, be, you know, become so tall that kids can't get over them. And I just wanted to uh, make sure that I was there helping any way that I could uh, to encourage some of those kids to continue on with, uh, you know, playing basketball. And one thing that I always took away from um, coaching, and and I always believed this, and and I, you know, all the way till I called it quits. Um, I never wanted a kid to not play basketball because they couldn't afford a pair of tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Now. I was I was at Fairview. There were kids that didn't continue to play there because maybe they couldn't have the Converse's that everybody wore or the Nikes. Mm-hmm. And same thing for me. I mean, I worked during the summer as a kid. I worked with uh, with uh, Rick Clark and his dad's John Clark with John Clark Oil Company up in that area, mm-hmm. and he would put us to work cutting grass and and taking care of all the convenience store locations on the outside, whether it was painting or or whatever, and, you know, earn a few bucks here and there. And uh, I always put that money back because I knew when basketball season rolled around, I wanted to have the nice stuff that everybody else had. And that was one thing that I always tried to do, regardless of where I was at. I always tried to have fundraisers because not all the kids – could afford those kind of things, and mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I didn't want that to be an additional hurdle that kids had to try to jump over in order to play a sport. Mm-hmm. And um, sure. so, you know, that 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 just enters my mind, especially as a young coach. I, I I wasn't that far removed from the game as a player, so I think I could, you know, early on, I I think that. Uh, Looking back on it, I, I had the ability to relate to a lot of the kids. And, and to be honest with you, you know, I think my first job out, I was either 25 or 26 as a head coach. Well, the seniors were 18. Right. So, I mean, yeah, not that much you know, there's not, not that much of a difference. So, But I don't want to get off on different tangents because it's easy to do. But um, so I, I'm here to answer your questions and whatever whatever you want. Well, uh, let me ask this. Ashton was your second head coach's job, right? Allen County Scottsville was your first one. Right. Yes, I and you were I learned you were there two years two years or no, three? No, I was I was at Allen County one year. One year. Okay. And and got the and was able to get the Ashland job. I mean it was you know, I was excited. I I was getting out of school, got my teaching degree and, you know, kinda ready to go out and conquer the world and uh a friend of mine yeah. that we had worked summer basketball camps together, uh, called me and said, this job's going to be open, might be a pretty good job. And we went down there, and, and uh, as we probably should not have, you know, Terry and I, we actually bought a house uh, in Allen oh, County. Man. We didn't re- Yeah, we didn't rent for the first few years to see how things were going to work out. We just said, okay, <laughs> we're going to buy us a house. <laughs> and we were <laughs> there. We're down here. <laughs> Yeah, we and we were there less than 12 months. So to say the least, we learned a lot from that deal. But then my second job out was, you know, coming back home and 
being able to coach the Ashland Tomcats and, you know, what a great program that they've always had down through the years. How, so how, who was the, what was the connection there that, did, did, you know, how did you come, how did you get to be at Ashland? I mean, obviously the, uh, open, the job was open, but you know. Yeah, the, the job was open. Uh, I put out a couple feelers uh, that uh, to see, you know, if they would even consider a, a young coach like me. Uh, I got some information back that said yes. I, I'm not going to put any names out there because I don't want anybody to get no, no, that's right. You know, get get in any trouble or have to uh, no, confess that's, certain that's things. Fine, yeah. But yeah. but uh, I, you know. I did have some fillers out there, and it was it was strongly suggested that I had a bet, a really good chance of getting that job uh, simply because of my experiences. And I went in there and sold myself to the selection committee. I, you know, I, one question that was asked in the uh, interview said, "Well, Jeff, you don't have a lot of head coaching experience, and you know we have a tradition-rich basketball program here." You know, what do you have to say about that? And my only response was, you can bring anybody else through that door right there, and they're not going to have the experiences that I have. <laughs> Meaning yeah. the opportunity, you know, the opportunities to play at Louisville, played for a national championship, won the national championship. You know, so, so I had some things in my back pocket that I brought to the table, and I think that kind of impressed them, being a cocky little. 26 or 27 yeah. <laughs> year old thinking that, thinking that I could just rule the world and uh, I think that caught somebody's eye and you know I don't know who the other candidates were back then and really don't care uh, yeah. simply because uh, I was taking a big chance um, in making that move I always said to myself that uh, I'd like to be you know out and get some experience and and then maybe take on a, a tradition like an Ashland or like Louisville Mail or somebody like that, you know, to to kind of move around and 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 get with the the higher profile uh, programs. And um, you know, it just came earlier than I thought. And and again, I, I said I said on the last segment that uh, as a player and as a kid growing up, that you know, God had His hand all over all the decisions that we made uh, growing up and it all worked out. And I sure do believe that uh, the same applies to, you know, us looking at different jobs and putting us in certain situations that uh, we learned a great deal from. Mm-hmm. Now I, I think, and I, I'd have to do a little more research, but I'm pretty sure you're the youngest coach Ashland ever hired, you know, to, to be the head coach. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, Jimmy yeah. Anderson's the only one I'm not sure of when he started because I know he started real young too. So he may have been. Right. Younger, you know, we're talking about you know 100 years, literally 100 years ago. Uh, when right. Was. But uh, you know, you're taking over an national program that it, it certainly the tradition was there, but it had fallen on some tough times. They had not won the regional uh, since 1980. It was the longest fan um, in their history between regional titles, you know, at, at, at that time. Uh, and, right. You know, you're taking over, uh, you know, Boyd County, Greenup County, East Carter, all those teams outstanding, you know. I mean, all our, you know, our, our regions 
think we're caught up with Ashland at that point, pretty much. Is I guess right. what I'm trying to say. And uh, right, you know, you, you're you're kind of tasked with okay, how do you bring that back? You know, how do you get that? How do you get that edge back? And uh, you know, you had a good group to work with. Let, let's talk about that first team, the 1991 team. Your first year with Ashland, you ended up 16 and 11. Um, right. Uh, let's talk about that team a little bit. What what you remember about them? Well, I remember that uh, uh, I, I think the kids, I shouldn't call them kids, the young men that played, uh, I think there were a lot of question marks in their mind of just, you know, the, the type of philosophy that I was going to bring in, the style of play that I wanted to bring in. Um, you know, I, I, there were a lot of question marks that that they, meaning the kids, had to get answered, and it was only going. You know, it was going to take time, and there's no there's no way of of uh, doing it any other way. It's not like they're going to hire me as the new Ashland coach, and my very first year, I'm going to bring some magic potion with me, and uh, you know, sprinkle it on everybody or let them take a drink of it, and then all of a sudden, we're back at regional champs competing for a state championship. wasn't going to happen that way. But uh, the reason why I took the job, and this was, uh, you know, a great opportunity, like I said, but Terry and I, we sat down and I told her, this is how I convinced her. I said, listen, if there is, there has never been a better time to go in and coach Ashland as it is right now today. And and my reason for saying that is it's not that the program was completely flat, but the program was as low as it had ever been in a long, long, long time. Right. So I figured, I figured Jeff Hall, even though he didn't have a lot of experience going in, I knew how hard I was going to work. My question was how hard were the kids going to work? And uh, I was blessed, you know, especially the two years there, that they they would run through walls for me. And, you know, so we turned around, and instead of having a couple losing seasons before we got, you know, started being able to compete, really, within the district and then talking about within the region, um, you know, we were able to take a losing record and turn it back in the direction of at least we had 16 wins. The biggest problem that year we got beat first round of the district, mm-hmm. and I to- I came home after we lost that game, and I told Terry, I said, "You better get ready to pack up the boxes again, <laughs> because uh, you know it's one thing uh, to go to the regional tournament, but it's another thing not to win your first district game and not go to the regional tournament your first year, and all of a sudden you start hearing all these, you know." people in the corners in those deep, dark places saying, well, maybe this guy's too young to lead our program and different things yeah. like that. I, so, but I, that, remember, uh, I, I remember Mike Flynn, uh, of course, he, he followed you, you know, after, even after Wayne, but after Wayne Breeden, but uh-huh. uh, him saying the, the two most important games at Ashland were the, the first game of the AIT, because back then, of course, you, if you didn't win that first one, you didn't play another one, you know. Right. <laughs> And the and the right. first game of the district, you know, because you, you, you had to go to the region, and you you know you had to go, 
you know, deep in the AIT. He always said those were those were two of the most important games to win as an Ashland Tomcat coach because that's when, you know, people are going to start, like you say, second-guessing you a little bit, that kind of thing. Uh, and oh, yeah. He, he was right. You know, I mean, that's that's big. But you, you faced Boyd County. Uh, Boy, you know, Boyd County, they were loaded. Uh, they were not ranked number six in the state uh, that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when they beat you guys, they beat you out of Boyd County, 67-52. You'd, you'd mm-hmm. played them during the season, and the margins were about the same. You know, it was mm-hmm. they were just better, weren't they? I mean, just, there's not much you can do when somebody's just better. I'm, I'm sure you did everything you could to try to right. To that. I, you know, and, and true. I mean, that that was true. Um, I, I, you know, they had players at every position that could hurt you. And they were, you know, Coach uh, Zorns ran a type of program that uh, they were just hard to focus in on and scout because any player that he had in the lineup could bust out and get him 20, 25 points on a given night. So you didn't know really who to try to prepare your defense around to, uh, to try to stop them. But there's no question they had a lot of talent coming through their program and Talent plus good coaching just equals, you know, yeah. a tough role to hoe when you're playing against them. And, um, yeah. you know, it, 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 and it was difficult. It was a hard uh, hill to climb. And they had beat, you know, Boyd County had beaten Ashland, I don't know how many times. Somebody told me maybe 18, 20 times in a row. Yeah. At yeah. that point, you might, you might need to look that up. I don't know, yeah, it was, obviously. It was, but it was it was, 20, it was yeah. a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. So uh, and, uh to say and, the and least like said, that's... It, it, you know, they were the one too. They were you had to beat them, not just for your region but for your district. You know, you needed to be able to compete with them and beat them. And that, that was that right. was critical, I think, you know. Yes. And um it was critical and um and at the end of the day, it still is critical up there. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. that's how imp- that's, right. that's how important it is to at least get out of your district and play in the regional tournament. And so, like I said, the biggest hurdle we had to get over uh, was the fact of it was all mental that second year. It wasn't physical. It was all mental. And uh, we were able to break through that second year and beat them and from that point forward, the kids that remained in the program just, they had a different walk to them. They had a different talk to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, that only comes, you know, success breeds success. And um, that's the reason why we were able to have a really good second year. Uh, I, you know, you look at the, the names from that uh, from that first year, and, and it's a lot of names from the second year. It's uh, Nathan Kirk. It's Rob Lynch, it's Jason Strader, you know, it's Fred mm-hmm. Keaton, uh, Stuart Smith, all those Stuart guys, Smith, yeah. David Green, uh, that class, you know, they, they, uh, and I know just from talking to several of them through these podcasts, uh, how excited they were, Jeff, to, when they found out you were going to be the coach, they, and it's kind of interesting, I, I, I can't remember which one it was that I was talking to, maybe Jason, he said, uh, he said, we, you know, we didn't get our information, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have the, you know, Facebook or social media. He said uh, our, our social media was the, was the independent and what Mark Maynard wrote. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, 
he said, so we were, you know, we'd get that paper, and, you know, when we found out Jeff Hall was going to be the coach, we were really excited because, you know, you were young and where you, you had won the national championship, and they knew you from your Fairview days. They knew of you, you know, and a lot of them. Yeah. You know, the, the name was, you know, it was there. And I think I, yeah. I think that they bought into it pretty quickly, you know, into what you wanted to do. Yeah, and that, and that's one thing I was going to mention. Even the first year, everybody bought in quickly once we started, you know, working in the gym and 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 seeing improvements and and things like that. And um, you know, it was just my only. I, it's not a regret, but. I wished I had more time to spend with that first group to see what else we could have maybe accomplished if we just had a little bit more time to work together. Yeah. But, you know, the first group is kind of on the fly. You get hired during the summer. You go in and try to get your feet on the ground in the first part of uh, uh, of the school year. And then before you know it, um you know the the football kids. They all go to the very last game of the year and win a state championship in football. So right. if I was going to if I was going to get any of the football kids out, I wasn't going to get them even to come out to see if they could shoot a layup until right. probably the first week of December. <laughs> so you know you had to put a lot of uh, I don't I don't know the right term, but you had to forecast a little bit into the future and say, well, I've seen some game film on this kid and, you know, and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, and you kind of project who's going to come out and who's not going to come out. And uh, then at that point, you know what hand you're dealt and you try to make the best team you could make uh, out of the, uh, out of the talent that you had. And, um, you know, like I've always said, uh the thing that I look back on and, and that I really wanted kids to take from playing for me and playing for each other was the fact that I wanted to make basketball available to all kids, not to a certain group of kids, mm-hmm. but to all kids. I wanted a kid that you know grew up down on Greenup Avenue to have the same opportunity as the kid that grew up out in South Ashland somewhere. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying anything good, bad, or indifferent about those, you know, two areas I just mentioned. But the fact of the matter is you go into some school systems and a certain kid might play because of a parent. They might be a board member. They might be, you know, whoever, mm-hmm. and they may not be the best player <laughs> on that team. So that's, you know, right. obviously that's a tough juggling act there, but, but at the end of the day, I wanted to make sure that basketball was made available to all of the kids, not just certain kids. And, um, and I think they saw that they bought into that and, and they thought I was, you know, legitimate when I said that. And, you know, Marty Thomas happened to be one of those kids that we wanted to make basketball available to Marty. I can remember mm-hmm. there were a couple there were a couple days that I had to drive out and get him because his dad was on the road as a truck driver, and 
they couldn't get the car down the driveway because of the ice. So I had wow. to wait on the main road, get Marty, put him in the car, and get back to Ashland in time to – I mean, he lived out in Boyd County. Right. And, uh, you know, so – but those are the small things that you just have to do, and, and I think kids appreciate that once they see that you're, you know, legitimate. So – I want you to I want you to talk yeah, just uh, certainly about I want to, I know all kids are important I know these kids were were critical to the success at at, at Ashland and I want you to talk about these two or three of them here uh, uh-huh. Let's start with Nathan Nathan Kirk uh, just a you know outstanding player and I know he lives in uh, mm-hmm. nearby in West Virginia now and he follows the Tomcat still of course and uh, right. his experience was he would tell you was just like the best experience he's ever had in his life, you know, was, was playing for the Tomcats. And uh, just yeah. talk about him before. Well, I mean, the thing that made – and I, I've said this all along, and, and I certainly mean it more today than ever, but the um, Nathan's senior year was the best team that I ever coached. I didn't say the best talent. I said the best mm-hmm. team. And there's a you know there's a big difference there. I've had teams with a pretty good talent before, but they just didn't mesh. This mm-hmm. team meshed together because of people like Nathan Kirk. And another thing that made this team so special, there were times I only had to draw up a play on the chalkboard one time, and they could go out and execute it. So the intelligence level of this particular group was very high. Yeah. And, you know, and I think you can see that, you know, today, I mean, Nathan's a dentist. Uh, Jason helps yeah. run a credit union. You know, Robbie Lynch is, a, I think, a project manager and was a safety right. uh, uh, safety man for a company up there in Ashland. But all those kids were able to go on, and because of their ability to take information, process it, and go out and do what was expected of them, that process was pretty quick. And uh, like I said, we could change things that might not have been in the game plan going into a certain game. We could change things on the fly with this particular group, and they could adapt to it and go on out and be successful. And Nathan was a big part of that. I mean, you know, I, I, and I don't right, want to leave right. anybody out. You know, the problem no, is no, I don't no. want to leave any kids out because they were all so so good about playing together as a team. And uh, we I didn't got, have I, indi- we didn't have individual players. We had team players. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, yeah, and I, you know, it's not surprising to you, I'm sure, that that Rob Lynch and Jason Strader are you know, are involved in the Tomcat program. They're they're great coaches, you know, at those youth levels that are so critical. And, you know, they're teaching them the right things. They're teaching them the right way. And, uh, you know, they both just, you know, they just uh, believe that uh, maroon and white uh, and, and you know, believe in the in, in what the program can do, you know. And I think, you know, the program's in good hands because of people like that. You know, we, we didn't we didn't mention, like, like you say, it's hard to not, you have to mention everybody almost, but like Smooth Green, you know what a what a leader he is. You know, I mean, oh. he's the, and I I know he he wasn't the he wasn't the greatest basketball player in the world, but guy he he hit a he hit a 
hit a big free throw or a big shot, I think, in the regional tournament, and uh, and just made plays. You know, he made plays. He was, he was that kind of guy. Every, when you needed that big play, it seemed like he. What's he doing out there? Oh my gosh! Look what he did. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know what? And and the thing that I respect most about David um, was the fact that. Yeah, there were times where he didn't get to play a whole lot, but when he was called on, he was ready to go. A lot of guys wouldn't do that. A lot of guys would sulk and and feel sorry for themselves and really not uh, try to educate themselves and practice and, and seeing what the game plan was going to be and how we were going to play. And But David kept taking all that in, and it's, you know, it, it – it, it's not a wonder that he's up there as assistant superintendent now. So, I mean, yeah. you know, You're great right. guy, absolutely great guy. Um, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's one of my favorites. But, uh, you know, uh, Stuart Smith was another guy that, uh, oh. gosh, you, know, you put him in the game, man, it was like, look out. <laughs> you know, something's yeah. going to happen. Uh, he, you know, what a great guy to come in in the game for you. You know, he started oh. too, of course. Right, and and you know Stuart. One thing we knew for certain out of Stuart, he was coming from soccer, and right. uh, we knew we knew Coach Sloan would have him in good shape, uh, transferring him from the soccer field over to the basketball court. And you're right, uh, Stuart just had a high motor. I mean, oh, he was God. one of these kids yeah. that never got tired, and I was yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, him playing on a small basketball floor, I mean, he ate that up because oh, normally yeah. you're playing on something like a football field. And, um, you know, it, it was just amazing. And then you put Robbie Lynch out there. I mean, whose family's got more tradition in Ashland yeah. basketball than the Lynch? Nobody. Yeah, none. None. <laughs> you know, and so he brought, he brought a lot of that uh, Tomcat tradition with him mm-hmm. that would make them play just a little bit harder than they thought they right. were able to do. And who, who could beat Jason Strader? I mean, no, here's not. a guy that yeah. here's a guy that's probably five, six, five, seven. And a lot of people before I got there wanted to give up on him. They really mm-hmm. didn't like Jason playing point guard and they, you know, they didn't think he was going to, to be much of a player, and I and, and my first comment whenever I saw him play for the front, I said, "Are you all crazy? <laughs> this 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 guy is an absolute leader." Yeah, he's a winner, and I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know if I'm digging a foxhole and I'm in a fight, I know exactly who I want right beside me, and that's think, Jason Strader. Absolutely, and I and I think uh, you know you look at uh, you know I look back at this season. Of course, Rob Lynch breaks his foot, like in right. late January and early February, and right. you know, so you're missing, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seven, eighteen points a game because he's out. And guess what? Jason Strader, all of a sudden, he has games of twenty-three, twenty-two, eighteen, mm-hmm. twenty, mm-hmm. twenty. You know, it's like I'll take it. I'll pick it up, Coach. Don't worry. You know, he picked up yeah. points like you know during the time when the when Rob was when Robbie was was injured. Uh, yeah, and, he, you know, one guy we did. haven't talked about is, is the unsung guy on that team. Almost, I think, was Fred Keaton. I mean, Freddie uh, Keaton. Yeah, Freddie was a, when I, of a player. He, go ahead. Well, no, I just 
first and foremost, I want to um, send my condolences out to Freddie's family. His mother passed away here recently, and uh, I've texted Freddie a couple of times, and uh, I know how much she meant to all of those guys, and and um, and I, I can always remember her and her husband coming to the games. I mean, they were just smiling, just beaming that Freddie was, you know, being able to play and and have some success, and they they just knew that it was really going to help him down the road. And uh, you know, I, I I hate that she's uh, gone, but. I know one thing, she did a great job raising a great kid. And um, Freddie, when I first got there, Freddie was severely overweight. Um, that that first, you know, I moved up there during the summer, and that fall we started having our conditioning programs for the kids that weren't playing any of the fall sports. We started getting ourselves in shape, you know, being in the weight room and out doing a little running, you know, just casual stuff nothing serious and uh one thing led to another with freddie and he trimmed his body down to where late in that second season i mean he he really took off for us and was one of the main reasons we were able to do what we did because he took up that space in the middle that we needed someone Mm -hmm. to actually do that job so yeah like i said i think he's kind of unsung on that team really I mean, when when you think about that team, well, most people would would think of, of of Lynch and Strader and Kirk, you know, and they were the yeah the big scorers, and that's how you know that's just how people look at things. But um, right. he, he was very he was he was critical to success. Uh, you know, as you, as you went down through the season, of course, Robbie breaks his his foot. I, I, I wanted to ask you this too, Jeff. The three point play mm-hmm. was in it was the shot. I mean, the shot was in play now. You know, in in uh, in high school. And college, for yeah. that matter, which, unfortunately, you, you missed out on the college one because, like we said in that last segment, I, I think you scored another 500 to 1,000 points. <laughs> and all your shots were from there. I mean, so it really yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, but h- how did you use the three-point shot? Did, did, you know, it, it was – were you, did you embrace it? Did you how, – how did it factor into your coaching? Well, I, I – you know, to, the secret to that is, well, if you have pretty good shooters, you like the three-point line. And if you don't have very good <laughs> shooters, <laughs> you don't like the three-point line. So, yeah. you know, uh, let's not let's not fool ourselves. But having said that, uh, I like the game a lot better with the three-point line in effect. And the reason why I say that is, especially going into the college level, the fact that you brought a lot more kids back into the game that maybe would have been overlooked because they are able to shoot the basketball. They might not be the tallest kid. They might not be the most athletic kid. But one thing that they could do on their shot, they could get you three points at a time. And mm-hmm. uh, so it kind of opened the college game back up in a time that it probably needed to be opened back up because when I played – Everything was inside out, and you never got into the paint unless, you know, you might as well expect Sam Bowie or Ralph Sampson or Patrick Ewing or somebody <laughs> being in that middle to throw that shot about 20 rows up in the stands <laughs> if, you, if you got in there. So that was, one yeah. reason I tried to, that was one reason I tried to stay on the outside as much as I could. But like you said, I, I, didn't, I wasn't one of the fortunate ones to – 
be able to play with the three-point line. But if you're asking me, do I like it versus not like it, Coach Crum did not like it. I yeah, mean, he, right. made no bo- he, he made no bones about it because his yeah. philosophy technically was all inside-out basketball. And uh, whereas a, a, a coach like Rick Pitino, he embraced it and said, okay, right. how can we use this to best suit the guys that we have? And right. so, you know, he, he, he picked up the tempo and said, well, if we get more shots from the three-point line, we only have to hit one out of three to equal hitting two shots. You know, they had all this right. mathematical stuff figured out, a lot smarter than yeah. what I am. But I, but well, I do I, know when you, ha- when you have a player like Robbie Lynch, you definitely like the three-point line. <laughs> <laughs> Let him shoot it, right. Let him shoot it. Let him shoot it, absolutely. And, and I think you're right. It, it certainly depends on, you know, who it is. Yeah, Patino just took it to another level, I think. He opened, you know, people he, – he really <clears> – I, I give, him, give him credit for even making it more and more a part of the game, you know, really. That, oh, and, yeah. And, and everybody kind of followed – Followed in line behind that, but anyway, that's that's off the subject a little bit. This team, of course, uh-huh. you go in the district with with Robbie Hurt still, and um, you know you got to you, you do have a, a break that you didn't draw Boy County. You know you all you all drew Rose Hill and you beat Rose Hill, so you're going to the region regardless. Of course, you still want to beat uh-huh. Boy County. That's still important. You know, uh, right? Uh, oh, for yeah. a lot of reasons. Uh, and they they get you a close game seventy three sixty seven in Louisa. I remember that very well. You all were in that game, uh-huh. you know, the whole way, and uh, they you know they get you at the end. Uh, right. But uh, you, you you go on to the regional, and I think Rob came back uh, in that Russell game. You all you all drew Russell in the first round, and uh-huh. and I think they you, Doc Stottermeyer got got his, got his footing, good enough shape to to go play. Uh, yeah. You. Yeah, let's talk about that regional tournament a little bit. <laughs> well, it was funny because – well, not funny. It was it, it was sad at the time, but looking back on it, I mean, it's a little bit funny in the fact that uh, Robbie uh, was trying to stay in shape by doing some exercises in the pool and on the on the stationary bike and some different things that he could do and not put a lot of pressure on that foot because Robbie had a stress fracture in his foot. And so he had to take care of himself. I mean, he and Doc, I mean, they practically lived together um, for the remaining part of, you know, February and the first part of March when tournaments all started. And so um, I think they kind of figured out that he needed something real stable in his shoe. And if memory serves me right, I think they actually cut out a piece of board of some sort and put in Robbie's shoe because it made it a real stable, not a soft, cushy hmm. surface. And for whatever reason, it worked because I remember the first game Robbie came back, like you said, out in the regional. I had to play him. I mean, I, I checked with his mom and dad. I said, uh, I mean, I'll do whatever you all tell me to do. If you think that, you know, he's still, yeah. you know, too hurt to play, I'm definitely going to set him out. And uh, I said, if you all make the call and say, you know, he can play, then, he, you know, I'll play him. And so, you know, after our little meeting, they agreed. They said, let him play. They can't hurt. He said, 
you know, Bob said he can't hurt it any worse than what it is. So that was kind of the reasoning behind it. And so we played him out there, and um, he came in the Russell game, and not only playing a good team like Russell, but having to to uh, acclimate yourself to an additional 10 feet on the playing floor <laughs> because, yeah. you know, high, high school is 84 feet. The college floor is 94 feet. So he had to run extra far on that hurt foot than what he normally would have. And there was a point in time in that game where he walked over and put his hands on his knees and he got close to me and said, Coach, you got to get me out of here. He said, my knees are wobbling. I said, why are they wobbling for? He said, he said, Coach, he said, I'm just so out of shape. He said, I can't, yeah. I can't keep them still because they're shaking so much. So I tried to get him out as much as I could, you know, kind of play the offense-defense game as much as we could do with him. And um, But it all worked out, and he ended up actually playing very well after he got that first game under his belt, and he kind of saw where he was at. And um, so he made a definite sacrifice for our team, uh, being that he just three weeks before that had a stress fracture in his foot. Yeah, he, had, so. he scored 13 against Russell, and it was a close game, 80 to 76. So you needed every one of them. Uh, and oh, of course, yeah. Jason Strader picked up like 24 points in that game. And then you guys uh-huh. played Menifee. I can't remember what happened. Menifee upset somebody. Obviously, I can't remember who who they beat. Maybe Greenup. Maybe. Uh, now Menifee. Menifee was in the district back then. They were in the same district as Round County. And right. Right. Maybe. I mean, and maybe who did they beat in the. Who did they beat in the first round of the of the district or the region? I mean, buddy, I I do not know. I don't know if uh, I don't. Back then, the way the districts were arranged, I think Lewis County was in with Round County, weren't they? Because the sixty third uh, district, when I was growing up, the sixty third district took in Russell, Raceland, Greenup County, and Fairview. Right. Uh, that was yeah, that Lewis, was the sixty third district. Lewis was in 62nd for most of the time with Elliott East and, and West. Elliott East, oh, okay. West, Lewis. And then it was Morgan, uh-huh. Menifee, and Brown. And then Bath came in a little later. but uh, A little bit later, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I don't, I'm not sure they beat. But anyway, we all played them in the semis. And, of course, everybody was already looking forward to the rematch with, you know, Ashland <laughs> and Boyd. They, you guys were the, the two best teams, it looked like, anyway. And you all hammered uh, Menifee seventy-one fifty-one. Robbie had twenty points, so that was probably uh-huh. a good confidence game for him too. You know, to, to be able to score like that again and be able to play with a with a wooden tennis shoe or whatever he was playing. <laughs> I, I don't uh, even know what it was, but I tell you what, it worked. Whatever they came up with, and and like I said, yeah. Robbie was able—no pun intended—but you know, Robbie was able to get back on his feet and mm-hmm. get his. His wind, you know, I mean, you have to break that second wind when you're playing, and uh, he was able to do that, and, boy, I'm sort of glad he did. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the, the final was electric. I mean, the place was packed, of course, and, you know, all of Boyd County uh, was, was there. You know, all the city of Ashland was there. Ashland had not won, you know, the region since 1980, since Jeff Tiffin's mm-hmm. team, you know, uh, went to the quarterfinals and, Man, that was a long time for Ashland fans to to have to wait, you know. And Boyd had been several times, you know, during that time. So 
this was sure. a good game. And uh, I, I remember it so well. I remember that game, and and I remember, um, you know, it, it was it was tight at the end, and somebody got a steal. I think I think you all were up two points, and somebody got a steal, and I got a layup. I think it's Jason Strader actually, and uh, you know, you end up winning the game by four points, and celebration ensues, of course, like always. And then it goes crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I can remember sure just did. watching, you know, because, you know, one thing I always tried to do, uh, Jeff, when I was covering, especially the regional, was just kind of watch the reaction of everybody, you know, because that was part of the story, you know, how, because somebody's sure. season was, was ending, it was disappointing, somebody was euphoric, you know, whoever was going to win. And you mm-hmm. just kind of watched who people were, uh, you know, hugging who were, you know, you're looking for Terry and you're, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, it's, it's, it's part of the story. So anyway, I'm looking around and all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. You know, it's like, you know, and I know they rushed you guys out there were, you know, it looked like it could be fights breaking out and, and different things like that. What, what do you remember about that, that end of that game? Uh, the only thing I remember is, uh, uh, well, I remember David Green and Nathan Kirk hitting the two biggest shots of our year late in the game. And then I remember winning and picking Jason Strader up on my, on my arm or in my arms and kind of carrying him around. And then the next thing I know, we were getting uh, um, escorted off the floor. I believe there was either an Ashland fan or a neutral fan that kind of got, I think he got in coach Zorn's face and, you know, I, I, I don't think a fight broke out, but I certainly, if I was in that situation, I would have uh, kind of had a few words to say to that person as well. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's how it, it all played out. Uh, obviously that's been too many years ago, but the fact of the matter is uh, we were able to break the ice. And, and, and it was, you know, it was a big release for all the players that had been on that drought, including the team that we currently had. And then it was a big release from the fans because they had so much bottled up inside of them for over a 12 year period of time, they just had to let it out some way. And so, you, you know, it was excitement times 10 i mean it was just yeah. great it was and and, and then the, then there was the ride home and uh, oh interesting <laughs> yeah you get, you get on the big bus and and there's you know everybody's still celebrating i'm sure and and uh yeah let's uh tell tell everybody what happened there well we're we're riding home uh on the on the greyhound that the, the tomcat bus that we used to have back then and um i'm sitting in the front if you're looking out the front window of the bus, I was sitting in the very first chair on the right-hand side. And uh, I had the trophy beside of me. I wasn't going to let that thing go. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, uh, I had that sitting beside of me. And then I was sitting, my recollection is, I was sitting inside the seat closest to the window on the okay. side of the bus. And then we had uh, Dirk Payne um, standing kind of down in the stairwell of the bus, uh, t- 
talking to me and some other, you know, the other coaches and some of the players were kind of up around us and all that kind of stuff. We were all just giddy as could be and uh, having a good time driving home. And all of a sudden I heard a kabang. And I did not know if it was a gunshot. I didn't know what it was. If it was a rock, I, I had no clue. So next thing I know, Dirk was holding his arm down around his elbow. And uh, I was like, did he get shot or what happened? So we, I think we got the bus stopped. And, and come to find out, as we were going under one of the overpasses on 64 heading home, somebody threw an old brake shoe wow. through, the front, through the front window of our bus, and it hit Dirk Payne in the right elbow. I remember it like it was yesterday. And had it not hit him, it would have been probably either on me or one of the other coaches or players. So Dirk definitely took one for the team on that particular <laughs> night. There's no <laughs> doubt. And uh, so, you know, say the least we had that excitement, had to drive on home with the wind blowing in our face because of the big hole it put in the front of the bus. But, um, and it was cold out, you know. Still yeah. in March, yeah, yeah. Had, had some pretty good weather. But, but yeah. uh, you know, we came into town, had the escort and all that kind of thing, and it was just, you know, it's just, yeah. it was a great time for, you know, to be a part of the Ashland Tomcats, no doubt. Uh, yeah, and I, I remember you all went to Mr. Gaddy's, I think, um, and, and celebrated. Uh, mm-hmm. they, I think they, they just drove the bus right on over there. And, and you know, the, what, what are you going to do? You can't really fix the windshield, you know, overnight like that. So, or, or no. in an instant or anything. So, no. uh, but yeah, a, a, a huge moment. And, you know, Jeff, it, I think it, it was it was cool for the kids because the kids liked the idea of, of sending you back to Freedom Hall, which at the time, that was, I think that was the <laughs> last time maybe that the state tournament has been played there. I think, maybe. I agree. Uh, it is. Uh, that, and, that is true. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, the, yeah. the kids were so excited because they, uh, they knew in the back of their minds what it would mean to me and, and Terry and uh, even yeah. Cameron. He was only a year old at that time, and uh, wow. what it would yeah. mean to yeah, what it would mean to us to be able to get back to Louisville and and play in the state tournament in front of some, a lot of people that we um, you know a lot of people we knew back then and still know today. So um, yeah, yeah it, it was very exciting that one of my two times. Uh, as a coach playing in the state tournament, at least one time was in Freedom Hall where I had the opportunity to play. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And of course, you played. Uh, I think Pleasure Ridge Park was the number two ranked team, I think, in the state at the time. Yep. And uh, you know, <laughs> a, a tough draw for the 16th region, tough draw for the Tomcats, but uh, mm-hmm. you guys played them just so good, and you all were so well prepared, and really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really had them beat. You really did. And, uh, you know, we, I know the end, the final score was 72-70. You, you, lo- you lost. But uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit of clock management there that kind of went against it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, to, say it, to say it lightly, I guess. Uh, yeah. What about, the, what about I think that it was, game, Just Well, I mean, we played our guts out. I mean, you know, we they kept playing a half-court trap defense against us. And 
we were able to get back in the game because they did that. Um, they were so long and athletic, they could cover a lot of ground. But we started picking the the one two two, I guess is what they were using, or it might have been a one three one. But they were going to try to trap you in the corners, and uh, we started. It took us two or three quarters to kind of get used to it, but all of a sudden we started uh, breaking them down on, 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 you know, several occasions. And before you know it, we're right back in the game because we hit some big shots, and Robbie played well, Nathan played so hard and so well, and Jason and Freddie. Freddie had a tough time out in the regional tournament. Um, didn't play very well, especially in the championship game, and he wanted to come back and play well uh, at the state tournament, and he did. He played very well for us. But, you know, one thing led to another at 70-all uh, with one point – I think it – was it 1.2 or 1.6 seconds 1.6 clock. I think it's 1.6, yeah. Uh. Yeah, 1.6 seconds left on the clock, and PRP – has the ball out of bounds underneath their basket. So defensively, we were trying to match up, and they slap the ball. It comes into one of their players. He fumbles it. He was able to put it on the ground a time or two. (laughs) Then he shot it. And guess what? It goes in. So to say the least, it was a heartbreaker for all of us because – we, you know, in the second half of that game especially, we played well enough to win. And, um, you know, but we didn't. And that's, that's sometimes that's what sports teaches you. But I can remember being in the press conference afterwards, and we were all kind of down a little bit. And somebody asked me about that last clock situation. I said, I know one thing. If my last 1.6 seconds of me being on this earth is that long, I will take it. <laughs> because it took so long it took so long for them it seemed like to turn the dang clock on obviously we were wanting overtime and right. you know and i'm thinking man i'm in louisville prp's a louisville school you know oh, yeah. I, i'm thinking of all kinds of conspiracy theories out there and uh, but but at the end of the game uh we lost and right. we had to we had to take it and uh right. You know, but it was a great moment for a lot of those kids. Very great moment. Yeah, it was. Uh, Robbie Lynch had 22 that night. Uh, Fred Keaton, as mm-hmm. you said, had a good game. He had 17. Nathan Kirk, 16. Uh-huh. You know, just uh, which that's great. I think those guys going out like that. You know, uh, going out with, right. with great games. Jason Strader scored five, but I know he played great in that game and played yeah. his guts out and was a, just a leader mm-hmm. like he always is. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think people, uh, Jeff, I think people still remember that team and really enjoyed that team, enjoyed watching them. You guys finished 26-7. and seven. Uh, and, and I think you broke the ice, like you said. You, you all won that region. And that I think that kind of springboarded the rest of the decade, just to be honest with you. It kind of, it kind of turned things a little bit, you know. And, and Boyd was still tough. And Boyd won right. regions, you know, throughout that. And Greenith was still good. And they won once or twice. <clears throat> um, you know, I mean – that didn't change. They didn't. It's not like Ashton won it every year, but they were competitive every year, and that's right. Kind of, you kind of got that the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, you know, you leave after that season. You get an opportunity uh, to be. I wasn't a general manager. Was a general manager and coach, or just general manager? 
of the general uh, manager of the Louisville Suitors. They were part of the Global Basketball Association. It was basically a farm system, what is now called the G League in the NBA. That was really what we were way, way, way back then. And uh, it was a place for guys to play that still felt like they had some talent left that, uh, um, you know, to maybe get back to the to the NBA and uh, a lot of good uh, players played in that league. But the bottom line is after about three or four months of operation, the league goes under. And yeah, wow. uh, it, it, Louisville shooters didn't go under. We were, we were financed really well uh, as far hmm. as the owner and, and his commitment to uh, having, you know, basically semi-professional basketball uh, in the city of Louisville. And, but the league uh, folded out from under us. And so at that time, we tried to check into getting into, you know, <clears throat> it might have even been, I don't think they called it the G League. They called it something else. But we checked mm-hmm. to try to get see if we could get into that, and they told us no because the schedules were already done. And uh, our head coach, you might remember this name, our head coach for that team was a guy named Derek Smith. Oh, I mean, wow. just one one of the great players of Louisville all time history. Oh, yeah. And um, and Derek unfortunately passed away a few years after that. He was yeah. on a cruise with his family, took some medicine for being seasick. And one thing led to another, and he passed away while on wow. the uh, vacation with his family. I, and I, I, I remember, I remember like as yesterday. I was in, I was in Florida. Terry and I were on vacation, and we had stopped to visit with one of my old teammates that you probably remember, a guy by the name of Jack Preston. Oh yeah, and I know, I know we that were. Well. Vi- <laughs> Yeah, and we were visiting Jack uh, down in his Florida home um, at the time, and then we got the news that Derek had passed away. So, I mean, it was just wow. – it was awful. But, you know, but that's basically what the GBA is. And uh, let me go on record as saying this. Of of all the things that uh, I experienced in my uh, career, uh, I still kick myself for leaving Ashland, uh, it was professionally it was it was the worst move uh, that that I had ever made. Because and the reason for that is um, number one, I love the kids. I, you know, growing up not inside the Ashland district, we had always heard that things you know at Ashland were a certain way and all this kind of stuff. And then I had. I had the opportunity to go over and teach and coach for two years, and and I found out it was absolutely not true. I had a great principal in Janice Ledford. She was Mm -hmm. so supportive of Jeff Hall. I mean, it was ridiculous. And (laughs) um, and I had two. Yeah, and um, and at I had two great assistant principals, uh, Frank Sloan and Jerry Umberger. Jerry was also the athletic director, and those guys, they helped any way possible for us to accommodate the kids as well as we could and give them the opportunity of being successful. And, you know, to this day, it still kind of chokes me up a little bit 
because at the time I thought it was a good move to, you know, kind of get back to Louisville and all that. And then just four months later, it all jerked out from underneath my feet. And um, looking back on it, I wished I'd never left Ashland. Uh, I wished I had retired from Ashland. Uh, it's a great place to teach. It's a great place to coach. And uh, just had a bunch of great kids there. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting that uh, Marty Thomas was first sophomore on this uh, region championship team here and averaged three and a half points a game. Uh, what, yeah. what did you see in Marty that – because he said, you know, you really worked with him that following summer, mm-hmm. I guess, before you, before mm-hmm. all the – everything, you know, before you left, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. You saw something in him, though, that – and you didn't have a whole lot back besides him. You know, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was the probably the most experienced guy you had back, but – did you see that right. kind of scoring in him? You always obviously did. I, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought uh, Marty had a, a chance of being a really good player. What we worked on most with him was being able to use the left hand and the weak side of his body. Uh, he he could do a lot of things going right, but he could only go to the right. And so we we made it a point to make sure that he started learning how to dribble and 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 ball fake and dribble left-handed and pull up off the dribble to take jump shots and those kind of things and you know in time he was able to develop his right or his left-hand side as well as what his right-hand side uh could play and um the rest is history. I mean, he's the all-time leading Tomcat scorer in yeah. a tradition-rich program, and that's just unbelievable. And he did it really in two seasons. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, he scored, pretty much. He scored 90, 95%, <laughs> 99% of his points in, in those two seasons, and, and Wayne Breeden thanks you for that, I'm sure. Uh, you know, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne used him in, in a way, you know, maybe you would have. I, I don't know, probably, <laughs> just based on, you know, what they had. But, uh, you know, they, Marty was such a – such a great player ends up, you know, a college player at, at Eastern and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, and he's, he's a great young man too. And, you know, all oh, these yeah. guys are, I mean, all these guys are great kids. And I think, you know, there is a parallel there to the success you have, you know, if you got great kids, you're, you know, you got a, you got a chance to be successful for sure. And they're good basketball well, too. And they gain good families. I mean, all that. Yes. Know, I don't, I, I don't know. That was a great group that came through, and you you came through at a good time for them, I think, too. Well, I think it was good for both. I can remember when I first took the job, and uh, three men were uh, waiting for me out in the lobby of the gymnasium by the pool, and it ended up being uh, Nathan Kirk's father, Robbie Lynch's father, and Jason Strader's father. Um, And they just wanted to introduce themselves to me, and they wanted to reassure me that for us to do whatever they needed, whatever we needed to do with those three players to help them be successful and to help our program be successful, that we would back you 100%. And I never had one parent problem at all while I was in wow. Ashland. And we had heard some horror stories about that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, so. so yeah, that's- that's a typical thing, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I, this, like I said, I think this this team is really is very um, well remembered, and, and you know they're remembered for for just a whole lot of different reasons, and and I think you're one of them, Jeff. You're one of the reasons that, that people remember that. 
I think people really enjoyed the, your your time as as coach at Ashland. We have gone, uh, believe it or not, hour and fifteen minutes. So what we're going to do is do a segment three with Rose Hill uh, separately, and uh, we're, okay. we'll end this one here here in a, in a minute. And uh, and I knew this might happen because I, I know a lot of great things happen uh, with you as the Tomcat coach, and and I would say. Uh, you know, not nothing against Wayne Breeden or Mike Flynn or whatever. I think Ashton would have been happy to have you, you know, through the through the nineties or into the two thousands or whatever. Uh, you, you were very well well received there. You were very well liked, and you did a tremendous job in in that short time. And everybody was sad that you took that job. I know, you know. At, at the yeah, it, but I mean, it was understand, you know. Yeah. Oh, it was gut wrenching. It was gut wrenching for myself and Terry because. We were just so torn between it, and um, you know, we like I said, we we kind of had things turned in the direction we wanted it, and uh, then we decided to to go back to Louisville. And like I said, if I could ever play something over again, that would be one thing that I would uh, do differently um, in my career, and yeah. I would have never left Ashland, knowing how things played out. Yeah, Jeff, uh, so. just uh, as we close here. Do- where else did you coach? You coached, of course, Allen County first, then you coached at Ashland, and right. then go from there. Yeah, and then I left Ashland, became the general manager of, of the Louisville Shooters. Um, after that, I, I went one year to Fern Creek High School in Louisville. Then after that, we came back to Ashland, and um, I went to work for Rick and John Clark uh, as their – account executive with the uh, three different brands of uh, gasoline oil products that they sold and uh, really had a great career with them. I, they were very good to me uh, as a kid. They yeah. were very good to me as an adult. Uh, but came back to Ashland after about, uh, I don't know, five, six, maybe seven years. Uh, I get a call from Rose Hill and they have a phenom over there named OJ Mayo and they wanted to know if they wanted to know if I had any interest in uh in coaching over there and I went to the Clarks and I we sat down and I said I've I've had an opportunity to come my way would you all have a problem if I you know spent some time during the winter months coaching basketball over there and they said yeah. no as long as you get your work done we don't we don't care and uh, actually they said we we would like to see you get back in basketball and yeah. so uh, that's how that kind of came about, and uh, well, I'm, I'm sure that's what we'll talk. I'm sure that's what we'll talk yeah. about in part three. <laughs> yeah, what, that, so. that's a great tease. That's a great tease for the next one. So uh, yeah, that's good. I, and I know, I, I do know you got to coach uh, your son Cameron at, at Glasgow. And, uh, yes, after and, yeah, after we after we got done with Rose Hill, I was still working for the Clarks. And uh, Cameron, we had transferred Cameron over to uh, over to Fairview, and um, you know, one thing led to another. I felt the urge of getting back in school, and I went back and uh, got recertified, and we took the Glasgow job, and I was able to coach Cameron for two years down there. I stayed four total, but was able to coach yeah. him for his junior and senior year. And I, I, I actually, I wouldn't. You know, I mean, it was just amazing being able to do that, and uh, yeah. And plus, and plus, he was a pretty good player. So <laughs> he was. He was a real good, great shooter. No, no, no surprise there. But and I, and I, I can tell you, just I remember 
course, he was in, I think he was in grade school maybe when you were at Rose Hill. And, uh, uh-huh. and Beth actually, ta- my wife actually taught him in fourth or fifth mm-hmm. grade. I can't remember. But uh, mm-hmm. he just talked about what a what a fine fine young man he was even you know even then uh yeah you know just just a great boy and uh you know he was too he's he's a great young man he got married here recently right yeah he got married this past july we had a good old uh covid19 wedding to where we could only have (laughs) about 15 about 15 people in the whole wedding so you know, but yeah. uh, he was able to get through all that, and he bought him a house out in a place called Mount Washington, which is oh, yeah. about twenty minutes about twenty minutes southeast of Louisville. And we live in Shepherdsville, which is about uh, twelve miles from where he lives, and yeah. uh, we both yeah. have about we both have about the same distance to get back into Louisville. So uh, things have really worked out well for us. Well, that's great. That's great, and. Uh... Anyway, well, we will. We 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 need more than a few minutes to talk about Rose Hill, so I, I do want to do another segment. It might not be an hour, but uh, we I do want to do a part three. And uh, this has been great. Sure. Uh, I know I know Tom Camp people uh, will be really excited to hear this one. And uh, and like I said, that'll just tease, well, that'll just tease them for the next one to hear about Rose Hill. So I'm sure they want to hear about well, that too. So and and I hope that I hope the Tomcat fans fan base and everybody in Ashland understands. I even though I've been away from there for a while, uh, I always check the uh, box scores after every Tuesday and Friday night to see how the Tomcats did. And um, yeah. I, I've always tried to follow them as much as I, I, I can. And uh, like I said, it, it, had I not um, gone back to Louisville, I'm sure uh, things would have worked out long-term for us yeah. there at, at Ashland and, uh, I had a great time there, and I hope the people had a great time as well. How about these 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 recent Tomcats? Last couple of years, uh, undefeated team and uh, state semifinals, pretty impressive. Well, it just goes to show if you have four or five people that can really shoot it well, you don't have to have. You know, the game now you don't have to have six ten players in the middle. If you've right. got four or five kids that are capable of hitting, you know, 35 to 40% of their shots behind the three-point line, you're in the game. And I think that's pretty much the way they play. And, uh, you know, defensively they have to be pretty good, but I think they're more known for their offense. And uh, it's just – it was an amazing run. I mean, last year going undefeated and having COVID cut the season short, and then this year – they get back to the state tournament and play a couple games in it. So uh, they really yeah. fared well, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's that's great. They, I know they're I know people are really uh, very excited about Tomcat basketball right now. They've won three regions in a row, which they hadn't done since the '70s, and you know right. that's a long time ago, really. Just like we talked about the '90s, <laughs> 30 years ago. I mean, come on. I, you know, I, you know, I was. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. We are as close to 2050 as we are 1990. Just, just so you know. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, before before you called today for us to do this interview, it was funny. I was sitting here counting up on my fingers how long it's been since my senior year at Fairview, and it ended up being 39 years. So, I mean. <laughs> 
it's unreal. It, it, I mean, it's it, it just, I, I just can't, I can't believe it. It's been on, it's been unreal. It's, uh, it's been fun though. It's been fun. And, uh, Joe, you have, you have changed a bit. I want you to know that you have changed a bit since, since your days at Fairview. You're, you're, uh, well, you're open book and, and you're honest and, uh, and, uh, I appreciate you, brother. I, well, I, I appreciate you and, I only know one way to do it, and that's to be, uh, uh, you know, like I said, be fair and be honest about what you're doing. And um, that, that, it's got me to be 57 years old now, so I, I guess that's the only way I know. <laughs> All right. So yeah. this, you've been listening to Tomcat Tales with Jeff Hall. That was part two. We are going to have a part three. I'm going to, as soon as I uh, close the show here, I'm going to give him a call back, and we'll set up part three, and hopefully we'll get that next week for everybody but you've been listening to Jeff Paul talking about the 1990 and 1992 Tomcats great conversation thanks for listening see you next time